Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. All right. Um, I have, I am in well into this podcast, two and a half years, and I feel like I've recorded more episodes in the last month with people sharing their story than I have in the whole two years. So I don't know if that's a direction we're going to keep heading in 2021, but it keeps coming up as really valuable. And today's episode again. Um, very generous guest here who's going to share some of her story and conversation and just see where it lands. But welcome, Valerie. Thank you for being here. Hi, Amanda. Hey. How are you? So good. Hey, so, so good. So I wanted to say that you were saying you've recorded more about people telling their story. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if this were coming to a tipping point? I wonder. It's very, it is really interesting. This is the in the last month, I think this is the fourth conversation I've recorded. Now, of course, it's not the fourth one I've put out in a row. I don't know how these will get distributed on air, like once they get released to the podcast. But I think there maybe were like that many in the first 115 episodes. And for some reason, like the the whatever spirits that be are like, you need more story. You need more story. <laughs> Who knows? Just follow the breadcrumbs. Maybe it is a tipping point. We'll see. There is obviously, it, or at least it feels like to me, an opening being created. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, I'm in my 60s, and this is not something I've ever talked yeah. about to yeah. anyone. Um, the first person I talked about any and all of this with in a very um, superficial level was one of my children yesterday. Mm, wow. Just yesterday just yesterday and is that because you knew you were coming on the podcast or it is did it exactly come because yeah. I knew I was becoming on wow. the podcast yeah and I wanted to kind of center myself yeah um, before I got here do you mind sharing what that was like to broach the subject at for the first time with them um, all the feels so yeah. there was a lot of um the first is it was wildly unexpected because he was like, oh, huh. Mm. And that was mostly the response. I really like that. Thank you for sharing. That's really, you know, that, that must've been something for you to, to bring that to me and laying that out. And that was more or less the entire investment on his part. Yeah. Just like, oh yeah, that's a thing that happened. Isn't that so and interesting? It is interesting because for the longest time, it hasn't been a thing that happened. Yeah, It yeah. was monumental. It was big. It was, um, it, and just for your listeners, um, I had three abortions mm -hmm. between the age of 17 and 21. Mm. And all of them were fiascos 
Mm. Um, not medically, but emotionally. And in terms of the people who were surrounding me and the things they said and did and how I accepted that and owned that Mm. as mine, which Mm. I wouldn't in no way do that today. Yeah. But as someone that young and it felt a lot like, um, dissociating, you know, um, people pleasing. I was definitely in survival mode. And when you're in that space, the decisions you make about who you are. Yeah. Become pretty intense. Um, and I, I didn't, I didn't wander into a space where I went, you know what, this is, this is just a moment in my life where I am making a choice and society does or does not approve because this is the late seventies, right? Instead, I made it be something really horrible about who I was Mm. as a human being and spent many decades learning to, to go, wait a minute, that's not true. Yeah. <laughs> what I decided as a 17 year old, yeah. 18 year old, it wasn't true. It was based on somebody else's thoughts. Yeah. Do you mind sharing what horrible things you, you, what other, other people's stories you took on that you describe as horrible? Like, what were they? What did you make it mean? Yeah. What did I make it mean that? And and I did, um, I spent a lot of time being a meaning making machine around this. Um, so the, the first time I was just, I I was young when I started college and Mm -hmm. when I came back for a visit, um, I told my mother I was pregnant and her response was absolutely horror and then a demand that I had an abortion and then the question what were you thinking Mm. and I was thinking well the pill is supposed to be effective that's what I was thinking Uh, you know there there's yeah and so the everything was very um clinical in that relationship from Mm. around this, you know, there, there was no acknowledgement of wow, are you okay? You know, what are you, how are you feeling? What are you thinking? Cause there was a, there's a a mental and emotional turmoil for many, not necessarily everyone, but for me, there was, and to not have uh, a safe place to work it through, um, just added to it. Yeah. And, and then to be told almost in the same breath, by the way, don't tell anybody because it'll be a burden for them to know. You don't, you know, anybody a burden to have to, for them to, them to know. Yes. Oh, wow. So the, what you take, what I took away, um, is that just made me as a human being, a bit of an imposition. Yeah. I, I was I an am imposition. A I am, yeah. yeah. And you can go and deeper then, than that. Yeah. yeah. Keep going. I know so many well, questions. I, <laughs> I went, I went way down on that yeah. one. And that was where I decided this massive belief system that I was a horrible human being. And 
I can tell you, Amanda, that what that does is it shows up in everything you do. That's my not just in that moment. You decide that you're a horrible human being. And when you go grocery shopping, guess what you were desperately trying not to be? A horrible. Uh, I mean, it's it's right there always when you're at work. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this, there's this anxiety that starts to build because do they see that I'm a horrible human being? Am I being a horrible human being? Yes. How do I not be one? And you're going back and forth. And it, it, the fact that I did not have a full on psychotic break of some kind yeah. is sort of remarkable. You know, somehow I was able to, at least I showed up as kind of bizarre Cause when that's your leading thought, yeah, I mean, right. you know, people are going to be like, I don't understand what's going on with you, but okay. Yeah. Okay. I might <laughs> not know? define it as horrible, but something's off. Like the way yeah, they don't showing, know. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's just, there's yeah. a little, there's a little thing here in between. So um, yeah, it was in everything. And that was as deep as it's got as the, I am a horrible human being. And that was a decision that really anchored in pretty hard. And once you took on that identity of a horrible human being who'd done this horrible thing, get pregnant, God forbid, and then choose not to have a baby. (gasps) (laughs) There must be a point where you just, you, was there a point that you didn't connect that horribleness, that awful identity with the abortion, it just was who you were. Like at the beginning, I'm horrible because I had this abortion. And then later it's just like, I'm just horrible. I don't even remember why. Does that yes. happen? Yeah. It, it absolutely does happen. And yeah. I would say it happens fast. Yeah. Like it, it anchors in partially because of groundwork that I laid before. But that groundwork might never have been cemented tightly had I not made that decision in that moment. And it wasn't until much, much later in my life that I looked back and went, that's where the anchor comes from. That's where I really made it true in my head. Yeah. Yeah. And now that you're talking about it, are you able to remember how you felt about yourself knowing you were pregnant and there was this clinical procedure to end the pregnancy before you took on your mother's narrative, right? Cause the horribleness came from like, don't tell anyone you're a burden, you're a horrible person. But wait, do you remember before you took on her story and you said other people's stories too, but before you took that, do you remember where you were? Somewhat. I, I remember it not being so fiery a topic in my head. It wasn't a, a loaded, um, it, it was in many ways, it was just a moment in life mm-hmm. and it wasn't labeled one way or the other for me. Right. It was, it, which I think felt very healthy because I wasn't really paying attention to societal norms and societal um, thoughts. I was 
more worried about what I was going to encounter when I got home. Yeah. Yeah. And, and had to deliver the news, but prior to, I don't recall it being a massive thing. It was, I allowed it to be something I got to be sad about. Yeah. Right. I just allowed that. Um, but I didn't, I didn't fight it. You know, it's, it's like, it's like, if you're in, if you're in the ocean, right. And there's waves coming, you can spend a lot of time trying to block the waves. Yeah. Right. Like not, not just bash through them, but like no waves go beyond this point. And instead you could be floating. Just right. You could be surfing. Right. Yeah. At that point, I was just floating with this is what happened. This is what happened. This is the next thing. This is the next thing. And I didn't have it mean really anything. I got to be in a, in a space of, it doesn't mean anything about me as a human. Yeah. It's just, um, yeah, we had sex. I got pregnant and now the next thing comes up. Do I, what do I do? And it wasn't a big thing until I got home and it, you know, and I encountered the prior generation who had intense beliefs about that. Yeah. I just think it's such a fascinating example of how influential people's opinions are on us. It's just like her belief system was so easy for you to latch onto. Probably, I'm assuming of an entire history. Don't we all have an entire history with our family, with our mothers especially? <laughs> so, of course, you're going to latch onto her belief system. Not that you agree with it, but you're going to take it on as if you're supposed to. Like as if, right? Yeah, I, I think that that's accurate. As an only child, as well, there's not there weren't other beliefs to, you know, we didn't like argue about it over the dinner table with three other siblings. Right. And have all of these other things pop up where I might have found a glimmer of, Oh, Whoa, that's a thought. I could think that that's an option. Instead. It's like, Oh, this is what I'm, I, I literally am pretty sure. I literally thought this is what I'm supposed to think now. Yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah. Wow. But those are powerful words. And how many times have we all thought them about something? Many listeners right now about their abortions, but we do that all the time. Oh, I guess this is what I'm supposed to believe. I guess this is what I'm supposed to think now. And we just take it. We don't question it. We don't like come at it with analytics or curiosity. We're just like, oh, mm-hmm. all right, take that on. And then you carried it. So what was it like carrying it into the subsequent abortions? Because this all happened in the first abortion. Am I right about that or am I wrong? That was just the first one. Um, Yeah, my mother was unaware of the next two. Yeah. That was not a a thing we were going to do. The next ones were, again, the same thing. You have yes, new and improved pill in a different packaging. And I am that what 2% (laughs) 
that that fertile woman where that just alone is not a functional birth control method. Oh, you meant and, a new birth control pill that didn't. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it was a different God. one. And, um, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> this one will do it. Um, and it, what what got me in the next two was the response of my partners. Um, it, it wasn't like they were freaked out that there was a pregnancy that I I guess was nice. You know, I didn't have to interact with that, but one of them, and I will, I, this is like seared into my brain. One of them said, wow, I am so relieved. I never thought I was going to get one past the goalie made it about him. Yeah. And again, what I thought and what I felt and the turmoil I was going through on my third, that would be my third abortion. It, it, that was, it just magnified, right? Like nobody get, nobody is going to understand. Nobody is. So the work that you do where I, you know, people get heard, even if they're just listening, when you have someone on who's been through that, that person out there gets to feel a little bit heard. Yeah. If, yeah, if that helps. That's um, the going through it without being heard ever is the place where you start making decisions in a void yeah. about who you are. And rarely are they the positive decisions that allow you to rise up and just be in the inquiry of, Oh, huh. So what do I let this be for me? Yeah. You know, where can I see possibility and growth in this? That's just not something that's necessarily available. Yeah. I know. And how many people are like, Oh, I'm going to just naturally make this mean I'm, I'm an empowered woman who makes empowered choices. Like, mm, yeah, that's not really the story. <laughs> most of us latch on to. Well, and uh, the, the cage that we, we grow up in yeah, the cage of it's either right or wrong. Yeah. And I, I, I was, I was talking with someone about abortions and it's a wonderful woman. And she was saying, what if you could consider that those are constructs that the person who says abortion is wrong has just made that up and it's a construct and they've just bought into the construct. And here's where the inquiry gets exciting for me Mm -hmm. is what if the people who think that abortion is right also made that up and it's also a construct. Definitely. I say this all the time. I say it on the podcast, but I really say it with my clients. It's like, I'll tell them something, my, my thoughts or my experience. And I say, I just made that up and it feels good. So I choose to keep believing it, but I don't know if it's true. Like I have a whole experience where I have named my abortion baby and it's like a soul who does this work with me. And the birth of my book was her, like that's her. I'm making all that up. I don't know if that's true. I just, it just feels good to believe that gets me where I want to go to believe that. But I a hundred percent agree with you. It's, it's made up everywhere. 
Yeah. And if we're going to make up a story, to go back to what you were saying before, why don't we make up something that's empowering? Yeah. It feels good to me that she has a name, that she helped me write a book. Mm-hmm. For all I know, if she exists, she could have been trying to stop me from writing the book the whole time. But I don't choose to believe that. I'm like, look at this beautiful book she helped me write. I don't, it's literally just the story. Just made it up. I love that. I love that you did that. (laughs) But I I feel like it's all made up is one of the most powerful things we can recognize about life in general. Every Mm -hmm. single belief system we've ever encountered. I can't remember if you are an LCS coach. Yeah. And were you Mm -hmm. at the 2019 mastermind? No. She had us do an exercise where you can find it in the recordings. She had us do an exercise where we got in small groups and she asked us to challenge something that felt so true. Like, we'll know that like murder is bad. You know, just like, wait a second, what if it's not bad? I remember somebody in my group said, what if incest is not bad? And I was like, oh my God, like you kind of want to vomit. And then you just like, let your brain stretch a teeny tiny bit. You're like, yeah, everything in me wants to believe that of course it's bad, but it actually is just someone just decided that it was bad. And we all went along with it. We can keep choosing to believe that it's bad, but we don't actually know. We have no idea. What if, and you just let yourself go to that crazy place where you're like, what if we did just let people continue an incestual life and it created this superhuman that, you know, like, just like, let your brain go to this absolutely sci-fi crazy place. And you realize like, okay, I did not do that exercise to choose to believe things that I don't like, but my brain just exploded a little bit and everything's made up everything. And we get to be in the inquiry of how this is, I hesitate to use the word perfect unfolding of our lives. How is this yeah. the perfect unfolding? N- not that it is, but just, could it be? Is it? Yeah. I told you before we started recording that I'm teaching a workshop tomorrow, just like outside of abortion work, just to, Hey, it's a new year. If we were to treat it as if that mattered, because that's made up too, <laughs> that it's mm-hmm. a new year. If we were to treat that as it mattered and the first the first like thing note I wrote down for my workshop is for next year to be better in quotes, you have to accept the possibility that nothing actually went wrong this year. It's possible that nothing went wrong, right? But we all want to move into the next year or the next chapter or the next job or the next relationship thinking, well, that didn't go well. I'll make the next one better. And it's I just... love that because that's what I, I what I'm I, when my clients are like this isn't working I'm having a problem and you can feel the emotion yeah that's laden in there one of the questions I will ask is what if you knew you could never do it wrong yeah so okay. if someone had let me know that 
40 some odd years ago. Can you imagine? Like, what if you knew you couldn't do it wrong, whatever your choice is, Mm -hmm. and that in, let me see if I can articulate this, because sometimes these concepts get so big that my brain goes, me too. We don't have words. We're not going to label this because it's, it's, it, um, I don't even remember where I was going because I got so excited about the the thought of everything that we talk about is made up. I know. All the words we used, the meaning, even to the point where when you have a conversation with someone like I, I could at you, let's say you were to talk to me about abundance, like maybe in your workshop tomorrow, you want to talk about abundance, right? Most of us will kind of nod and think, As yeah, if we, we know, know what abundance, it means. but what if in every conversation you took the time to go, Hmm, what do you mean by yes, that word? Exactly. Just to make sure that your conversation is yes. in parallel, that you're in the same place. And I found that when I ask it more often than not, our definitions of even the simplest words are so different. Yeah. Yeah. I just was coaching a client this morning. Who's a general life coaching client. And she was talking about a goal she's trying to hit in her career. And I had her sort of dump out her thoughts about it and I wish I had them in front of me, but it was like, um, when I get there, I'll have made it. I'll have arrived. It'll, it'll prove that I'm enough. And it was all these words arrived enough big. Like, and I, and I said, you realize that every single one of those words is just vague. Like you're, you're, you think you'll have, arrived at what? What is it? It was exactly what you're talking about. It's just like, we kind of just go about pretending we all know what it is or arrived is or big is, but it's, it's, it's not a thing. (laughs) You're trying to reach this goal, but it's not an actual thing. (laughs) And can we let those vagaries become what we think of as a life goal? Yeah. I mean, in, in, if, if you want to set goals, maybe go ahead and, and, and define the finish line, Yeah, you know, but there's going to be another finish line and another finish line and another finish line, but getting better is never going to be an achievable finish line, you know, to have arrived is not, you know, did you land at, at, at Charles de Gaulle airport? Is that what you're talking about? That you've arrived during the arrivals yeah. at that airport? That would be a specific arrived. Yeah. But yeah. It, yeah. It's all fascinating. And to bring it back to abortion, mm-hmm. the next sentence on this workshop, this first page says, this year you were human. Next year you will be human too. And the way that comes back to abortion for me is it's an unplanned pregnancy. You are human. Whether you choose to abort it or to keep it, you're going to be human too. We Mm -hmm. think if I, if I make the right choice, if I do the right thing, if I pick the right, make, you know, pick the right decision, I won't have to feel all that human stuff. (laughs) It'll just be good. It'll just go well. And so then as soon as anything doesn't feel good and well and perfect, we assume it's because we made the wrong choice, but it's really just because we're human, which we would have been either way. 
Yeah. And I, I want to add to that, um, Amanda, because I think that's that's really beautiful that you're still going to be human next year. You know, good news, bad news. Wonderful. Yeah, good you're news, be bad human news. next year. Um, and you are never going to do any less than your best at any time. Ooh, that's powerful. So going back to abortion, the choice that I made was still the best. It was not less than my best. It was not less than my best. Interesting. I can look back and believe it was less than my best, but that's because I have new tools that I didn't have in that moment. It's less than my best now because now maybe I've learned X, Y, Z, but in that moment, I didn't have X, Y, Z. Right. But you were still not less than your best when on that day, when you made that choice and you had that procedure. And again, the reason we know this is true is because best is one of those big words. As it well. is. It <laughs> is. That's right. And we use it though, every day mm-hmm. as a yardstick and it's this nebulous, flexible ghost of a yardstick yeah. that we pretend is real. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in your case too, like I took the pill, like I was doing my best. And I still got pregnant and I still chose abortion. Like mm-hmm. it's another one where like I was doing my best. Like, what does that even mean? Like doing our best is using birth control that isn't a hundred percent effective. So <laughs> it's never like the, it's never like a guaranteed best. It's just still a faulty system. <laughs> like it, yeah, it worked. It worked its best, but for you, that still meant a pregnancy. Birth yes, control it worked its best, but it still meant a pregnancy. <laughs> so we yeah. can do our best as humans, but it doesn't mean it's it's all going to go as we planned. Right, and it it doesn't mean that there's so part of the discouragement is I had an expectation to be pregnancy free. Yes. while taking the pill. Yeah. And I wasn't, and that was a little crushing. Yeah. You know, I, the, as the, all thwarted expectations are crushing depending, right. So um, it was, it's a faulty system, but we weren't educated on that at the time. That wasn't, we all just to go tangential here. At the college I was in where I got the prescription for the pill, the women who wanted the pill had to go to a sex education class at the um, health center, um, the medical center at the, on campus. Mm -hmm. Did the men have to go? No, no, no. What the viewers can't see is her face, like going, just shaking with, no, Yeah. So the onus began so early. So true. Wow. That is really interesting. I just saw a meme. Sometimes memes are quite valuable. I don't even remember where it was, but it was like, I just went with my partner to get a vasectomy. There were no protesters outside. Like, wait a second. Is he not blocking life from entering the world? Nobody cares about that. Like, Hmm. 
Where are all the protesters against vasectomy? Oh, wait, they don't exist. <laughs> They're not there. Yeah, that's wild. You that's interesting that you would take see an that. entire class just to, yeah. get, just to prevent something you didn't want from happening, but right. not a man on campus had to think about that. No, wow. no. And what a great place to have started. At least, you know, in the college years where everybody suddenly discovers their sexual activity, right? And, yeah. and their pleasure centers and, and the men aren't given the same information that women are given and women mm-hmm. are expected to be the gatekeepers. Yeah. And, the and that, that responsibility isn't shared. Yeah. Yeah. Cause my brain wanted to say the holders of that burden, right? And does it have to be a burden? No, that is a thought. It doesn't have to be a burden, but it's, it's, a, it's a big responsibility. It's a big responsibility. Yeah. Every, mm-hmm. every woman that I saw in that class, I, I think there was a little, we felt a deep connection with each other, even though it was like two, three hour things we were done. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was also a little bit of, it was delivered by a guy. Of course it was. Sure it was. Um, But there was a little, we all came bubbling in the first one and we didn't leave bubbling at the end of the second. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't because Mercury was in retrograde. It it literally (laughs) was. There was some weight Mm -hmm. that we felt leaving. And it just said it was palpable, but not something necessarily that we acknowledged after yeah. that. And I really hadn't explored that thought until right now, That's but I remember so it clearly. Yeah. 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 Wow. I really want to go back to something you said about, I think it was your third partner in the abortion and the past, the goalie piece, mm-hmm. because that alone, like just making that analogy to sports, right? Like you were supposed to protect your goal, your womb from getting pregnant. And now you, the goalkeeper didn't do that. So you failed and his little spermy guys won and got in, right? Just that alone. Like, I know it's just this, like, like, just a sports analogy, but it's not, it's not just a sports analogy. Like it says so much. Like if you got past the goal, if you got past the goalie and I'm the goalie, then I just lost the game. Yeah. Was it, was I actually involved in a competition? Yeah. Were we adversaries while, while being intimate? Is there something that I missed in this relationship that had you on one team and me on another? Yeah, it's just like a lot of weirdness in that. There's in a that lot phrase. that can be unpacked. Yeah. And it feels like an off the cuff comment initially. But when you really look at it, as you were pointing out, it yeah. becomes a place where you are at odds with someone you are sharing something very intimate. Yeah. I think it's particularly sensitive for me and stuck out for me because I had a lot of shame with my abortion, not because I had one, but because I got pregnant in the first place. 
And I, you had the pill, I had an IUD. It fell out. I didn't know it fell out. So again, like birth control didn't do the thing I hoped it would do. Right. But I had a lot of shame for like getting pregnant. My body did exactly what it was born to do. And I felt so like broken by that. Like I should have kept it from, it was my fault that, 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 that you got in. Right. And so I think that's probably one of the reasons that stuck out to me so much is because it just dug right into my like sensitive spot of like, I had a lot of shame for getting pregnant because I lost the game. I'm the one who lost the game. I'm the one who let the goal happen. There's a lot of shame um, from religious parents all the way through even pop culture, at least of my time, you know, a a girl who got pregnant and was unmarried, the, the anathema, the stigma, everything was a lot. Yeah. There wasn't, um, there's not, there wasn't, as far as I can remember, anything that we could turn to, to see an available, um, shoulder, you know, just a metaphorical shoulder, even to cry on. Like there wasn't a movie that I remember and I'm, there probably was, but there wasn't that I remember that I could have gone to see and seen someone going through that in a kind light. Yeah. It it wouldn't have been that way. Yeah. Yeah. And it's still not, I mean, no, it's (laughs) still still really not. I mean, there, you see it, you get that little glimpse of the abortion conversation every once in a while in just general media or a movie or a book, but it's still not at the frequency and, and authenticity of what we're actually experiencing as people who go through it. Yeah. And even, even now um, I saw a post the other day about, and it, it was so well worded, but it was like, men, this is what we're going to do. Everybody's going to line up for a reversible vasectomy. Yeah. Oh, wait, what? You don't want to do yeah. that? Yeah. What you want? You want to have control over your bodies? Wait, what? Oh. And I remember reading that. And my first reaction was definitely from conditioning because I went, wow, that's intense. <laughs> and then I thought it, it took me a little bit, but then I thought, no, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. That the, the way we were raised and the way we believe and the way society has set us up for experiencing our own bodies is, is this way for women and that way for men. Absolutely. And that it it just has resonated with me. I don't, I still get struck by those those vasectomy comments, like mandatory vasectomies for all men until they want to have children. And I'm like, no, that's terrible. Like, whoa, whoa. That's your first reaction is like, can't, you can't control, uh, you know, cause I think about my son or my husband. I'm like, that's awful. Why would you control someone's body in that way? And like, oh, I'm just normal for me. This is normal that my body gets controlled, but not theirs. Now, some now somehow it's like, oh, what a tragic idea. <laughs> exactly. So even though intellectually I so understand it, my my culture, my 
what is the word? My conditioned response is still like, oh, shocking. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. What a, what a day that will be when we don't spend a lot of time judging people for choices they make. What a day. <laughs> what a day. And, what a day. and what a day when the you shoulds and you're supposed to's you know, that come the pre-judgment part, but like the, here, here are the rules. Yeah. What a day that will be when it involves understanding the other person as much as it involves, this is my thought and my construct. Yeah. Yeah. We have a, we have a long way to go. What if it happens tomorrow? What if anything's <laughs> possible, right? <laughs> It's all made up. It can be unmade. <laughs> I love that thought. Oh, it's all made up. It can be unmade. Boy. Um, is there anything else you came today wanting? I mean, I took so many notes at the beginning. I haven't even touched asking you about them. So many pieces, the disassociation, the people pleasing. I forget what you said. Your mom had a question. What were you when thinking? you, what were you thinking? My mom, I remember, I remember walking on my sidewalk on the phone with her and telling her that I was pregnant. And she said, how did this happen? And I was like, what, what kind of question <laughs> is that? Like I had sex, like, what? but yeah, it, when you're mom, when, whatever. Yeah. The same question. It's like, just that we don't, we so don't know how to talk about it, that those are the immediate knee-jerk reactions that our mothers would have is like these ridiculous questions. Um, Cause we just don't, we're just so caught off guard. We don't know what to say when someone presents <laughs> with an unplanned pregnancy. And I, I understand now looking backwards. Yeah. That her reaction comes from her shame. Yes, exactly. And in that space, there isn't a logical available question mm-hmm. for her to ask. Yeah. 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 And, oh, that was what I wanted to ask you too. Do you remember when you started identifying that some of the identity you'd taken on came from your abortion stories? Like, do you remember when you, re- what helped you realize that? that oh yeah. Was it wasn't that long ago. I, I, I'm not kidding. It wasn't that long ago. Um, I've, luckily I've been in the inquiry, you know, for a while, but nothing in, in the, that's all, how all journeys go. Mm-hmm. You know, you're in the inquiry for a while and then there's a moment where the tide comes in and you go, Oh there it yeah. is. And so it was pretty recently um, that I began to understand that had I been um, what I refer to as the truth of who I am, had yeah. I been in that space, yeah. other people's thoughts would not have had yes. purchase, would not have been available for me to own because I would have been very aware that, oh, that's your stuff. Yeah, I, I, exactly. I don't need any of that. I got my, I got enough of my own stuff, so I'm not owning yours. Um, but it was, 
it, it was as I was working on what I wanted to offer my clients and I was getting deep into understanding um, intentionality and who we are on a subconscious level and all the programming that we do and undo that somehow I began to get that I have been programming myself intentionally and unintentionally based on what I think other people think starting from, Oh, well, it, it was before that, but this was the big one. You know, there are little milestones as we're creating our, our beliefs about ourselves. And this one began much earlier because I was already people pleasing. Right. But when, but that, yeah. So it was when I was just working on something unrelated, Mm -hmm. but kind of related, you know, I was focusing outward when the thought um, dropped as to where it all came from. And what tools did you use to work through that once you realized it? Here are some questions that I ask. Mm-hmm. Um, one of, one of which is what if there is nothing wrong there? Mm. And I got that question because, um, one of my children had tried to commit suicide mm. and I was just beside myself thinking it was all my fault. Yeah. Um, as we do. And it, someone said to me, look, you don't have any say in the matter. And this may be hard to hear, but what if there's nothing wrong happening in that moment? And so I took that because that made such a big difference just in our relationship, Mm -hmm. uh, my son and mine. And then I said, what, how can I use that with me, my relationship with myself? And So the questions that, you know, I would sit around and ask my girlfriends, you know, over margaritas are the questions I started turning around and asking myself. Yeah. And, and so there's, you know, what if there's nothing wrong there? Why, what makes you think? I I, I don't do the why questions when it's really touchy. Mm -hmm. What, What makes you consider that this was less than your best? Yeah. You know, where do you see that? this could be something that in the future you can look back on and go, huh, that was really not a problem. Yeah. And so there's just a bunch of staying in the inquiry and see what comes up and asking more questions and being, as you said early on, really curious. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's this, there's this fine line where people misconstrue the intention behind like nothing was wrong, nothing went wrong. That doesn't mean it was, it doesn't mean that we're glad it happened or that it should have happened or that or it that should anyway, happen. I, I condone it. Exactly. It's just exactly. there is in this moment, there is no right or wrong. Yes. It's just. I don't, I don't have to visit that judgment upon myself or on anybody else, because the minute I go, there's something wrong there. 
I am in super judgy area and the judgy part of my brain could get really snarky and really intense and then start laying down all these should rules, right? And if I don't have to go there, the possibility for connection and understanding on so many levels is available. Yeah. Yeah. Just accepting that there's a possibility that nothing went wrong will make mm-hmm. so much room. Mm-hmm. So much room. Yeah. What if you knew you couldn't do you it wrong? Room yeah. To feel differently. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, when you went back to that, um, I had written a note that you touched on a little bit ago, which is, you know, your the response from your mother and taking on her narrative of the story and deciding that this horrible person identity was going to be what you took forward. Yeah, you touched on it a tiny bit, but it's not that that just came out of nowhere. Like there was a piece of you that had already self-identified as like, wait, something horrible's happened. I must be horrible because I got pregnant on the pill. That's the, the must, right? There was like, there was enough of you that believed it, that when she shared it with you, it was just like sealing the deal. Right. If, yeah. if she had said, I'm so angry with you because your hair is blue, exactly. I would have laughed because I got brown, you know, I, I, I got brown hair. I just don't think that that's a valid statement, but I already had yeah. a little, yeah, just a enough. little bit of that is true. I already was ready to agree. Mm-hmm. I just hadn't yet. Yeah. I hadn't exactly. committed fully to that being truth with a capital T. Yeah. Yeah. And so if we come if we use that as a part of this wrong story, it's like, if you already believe that it was wrong, the way things happened, and then whoever tells you like, oh yeah, that's so wrong. Your girlfriend's the world. You just seals it in, just seals it in, right? Like it's so wrong that my child would try to commit suicide or it's so wrong that I would have an abortion or it's so wrong that my mother died of cancer, whatever the thing is, like, if we're already questioning it a little bit, and then someone else shares that narrative, we just, just latch on. And that's what eats us. Yeah, that the seed grows where there's semi fertile soil. Exactly. So when that got dropped, it was accepted. Mm -hmm. It it, Yeah. And had I not prepared the way for that, and this is where it gets interesting, where we can step back and go, if you look at the journey, yeah, there's a, there was a long preparation for it. And then that one anchored in, and then I got to spend a long time unwinding it and unpacking it again, and then no longer believing it's true. Yeah. So that arc is kind of fascinating. And I get to be I get to be kind of intrigued with the whole journey because as you look at it from a distance, our lives really are amazing and fascinating. And if you want to step even further back and think that your, your life, your journey and where you got, it gets you here where you are making a difference for people who are in various levels of dealing with an abortion, 
it gives you the real understanding of connection. Yeah. Like we are kind of all not to get real woo woo, but we really are one. We are in this massive thing together. Yeah. And in a deep level, there's some amazing connection. Yeah. And that one thing you've said today is going to trigger something for someone for me. Yeah. Mm. Even being human, being human. (laughs) Thank you so much. Um, Are you, do you feel like you're ready to close or do you feel like there's any one last thing you want a listener to hear about abortion in general? Yeah. Um, One, whoever needs to hear this is that um, in, we, we talked about inquiry, like being in inquiry about the situation and not having to make a moral decision, you know, right or wrong. We don't have to go into those, those polarities and this experiment in trust in life, that, cause that's all we're doing is just experimenting in our levels of trust in life is that we get to be open for inquiry without needing to come to a conclusion. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I love that you've brought this trust word up, came up twice this week with clients and on, I don't know what day it is. Let's see. 25, 26 on Tuesday. I think it was, I woke up and there was a flying squirrel in my bedroom flying squirrel in my bedroom. <laughs> Your bedroom. Sure. As they, you know, as yep. they tend to travel into bedrooms. Yeah. December 28th flying <laughs> squirrel in my bedroom last year on December 26th flying squirrel in my bedroom, not a regular squirrel. There are these cute little tiny things and they don't actually fly. They just have all this extra skin. So mm-hmm. when they leap, they like sort of glide, glide further. Yeah. Well, of course, me being me, I like go to what's the spiritual meaning of the flying squirrel and trust so much about trust. And it came up twice with my clients, right? It was a day that I had the flying squirrel in the bedroom. And I think this, I love the way you ordered that experiment in trust. It's like, you just, you don't have everything you need to fly. Technically you don't even fly. But you've got enough to take that leap and just glide until you make your next landing. Then you gather yourself up. And then, you know, the next time you need, you take another leap. It's not that we like have all the tools for this fantastic (laughs) flight in life. You just like have enough to trust and glide. (laughs) I just love that. I, I love that yearly. You just get this outside reminder of, of, hey, hey, this is your, you know, Christmas, Passover, Kwanzaa, Diwali type for talking about trust, Yule, you know. Right. And I, it's just, that's interesting. I love the metaphor of go ahead, throw your arms wide. Yeah. And trust. Yeah. 
Because that's what they do. And it is, it's the word you used was an experiment in trust. And it is, Mm -hmm. it's just like, it's like, I, okay, I've got enough of the pieces in place that I'm going to, I'm going to experiment. I'm going to see if I can trust. And if I can't, I'll learn something and I'll pull back a little and I'll figure it out and then I'll try again. Right. Right. Yeah. So good. All right. Well, now I want Thank to watch a flying so squirrel. <laughs> I know it's like, these are the weirdest creatures. Oh, if it comes back it next was... year. Oh man. Oh, wouldn't that be amazing? I don't Just even throw know. Those windows I... open one more time. I might have to keep it if it comes back next year. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Well, if you keep it, then it can't surprise visit you. I know. I know. It sounds cruel. But such an awe in that, right? It comes into your house. We were both like, wait, didn't this happen last year? Yeah. December 26th, December 28th. This is one of those moments where you get to make it mean such amazing and empowering things if you want. Exactly. I can make this mean that I'm really supposed to lean into trust and help my clients lean into trust. Or I can just make it mean that there's a hole in my house and I need to call an exterminator. <laughs> I mean, I get to yeah. decide what feels better. Uh-huh. And to me, it feels better to take this message of trust and play with it and really help my clients play with it. So off we go. Given that life <laughs> is a playground, I think playing with that is a great idea. And squirrels are totally a message <laughs> for play. <laughs> they are. I'm all oh. over my yard. I don't have any flying ones, so. Well, we've literally never seen them anywhere in the yard, anywhere other than in our bedroom two years in a row. It's not like there's something we see out in the trees. We never see them. We see regular squirrels. Never seen a flying squirrel outside ever. Just twice in our bedroom. (laughs) I feel like there's a story in that. There's a, there's a Disney, there's a Disney movie. (laughs) Start writing. Yeah. Oh boy. A new spiritual Disney movie, Pixar movie. Well, speaking of Pixar, I will be playing a Pixar short in my workshop tomorrow morning. So. Oh, how fun. Yes. And this uh, episode is going to come out well after that recording has been made. But if anyone is listening, please just tell me you want access to the replay and I will send it to you. But yeah, Pixar, of course. (laughs) <laughs> what a way to end this uh, podcast too funny thank you for being here um and sharing your story especially since it's one you have not shared in other places and just being you know finding the courage to share with your son yesterday and then with our whole audience today it it, it makes a difference i promise good the pleasure is mine for sure Thanks for listening, and as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.